What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Patagna, joined, as always, by 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, the Prince of Florida, the biggest Panthers fan, I think, in the state of Florida, Andrew Ivins. Drew, where, where are we at in the series right now? 3-0, busting out the brooms, man. Sweep on the way. Toronto Hopefully. Maple Leafs? Yeah, man. Wow. Toronto. And that's an eight seed, right? Florida Panthers? Eight seed. I feel like we're living in the upside down right now. Lakers are up 3-1 on the Golden State Warriors, even though that's kind of expected by the seeds, I guess. I don't know. Golden State, what, a six seed? L.A., a seven seed, I believe. If there's some NBA fans out there, forgive me. But, Drew, it's that time of the year, a little playoff hockey, a little playoff basketball as well. But it's also the time of year for a little college football recruiting never sleeps for the Oyster Boys 24-7. No pun intended, 365. Drew, let's start the show off from a friend of the podcast. We're going to just call him a friend of the podcast because I worked for him one time. Jim Harbaugh. He had this to say on Thursday in the Bay City. Mason Grant came in as a true freshman and started for us. I called him and Kenneth Grant two gifts from the football gods because they played the defensive tackle position and are extremely athletic and about 330 pounds. In my humble opinion, God is not quite filling his quota on athletic 330-pound guys that can play defensive tackle. little shot at God there. He also (laughs) finished up with mowing the lawn is one of the great feelings I have in life. So what do you take away from that? A lot lot going on in that that quote of Jim Jim Harbaugh-isms, which I feel like we – speaking of quotas, I feel like we haven't got our fair share of wacky Jim Harbaugh stories in a while. I know. It's been – it's been a while, but he is quite the quote. I'm going to start with the uh, mowing the lawn. I agree with that. Very therapeutic. I don't know if you if you're mowing the lawn these days, Cooper. If you, I used to back back in the day. You know, right now I don't have the real estate uh, in terms of you know I'm in an apartment building and. But when I was a kid, man, there was something about it. Like I just enjoyed it. You know, we didn't have the. We had a small patch of grass, and I'd go out there. I think I was like 13 or 14. I just loved it. You said it. The word to me was like therapeutic, but shoot, I had this weird time in my life. I'd probably cut the grass like twice a week. (laughs) When I was a kid, I would come home from school on Friday and mow the lawn Friday afternoon so I could watch football all day Saturday and Sunday. So I'm, I'm big into the lawn mowing. So don't agree with that. 
that quote from Jim. And I also don't agree with, or I do agree with the quote about the 330 pound um, gifts from God, right? You know, I was going through our 2024 rankings um, and, and the defensive line specifically and guys in the middle. And I don't think we have anyone listed over 300 pounds aside from Justin Scott, who's in the Chicago area. What is he? He's listed at 310. Crystal ball split between Notre Dame and Miami. But outside of that, man, um, there are not a lot of big, big boys in this um, 2024 cycle. So I think Jim is maybe hinting at something, right? Jericho Johnson, number 14 defensive lineman in the country, 6'4", 300, out in the beautiful state of California. Cameron Beavers, 6'3", 305. What I I think is interesting, you know, he's talking about Mason Graham. Mason Graham played his football in Southern California at Servite. We talk about big bodies all the time and why that's important, but when Michigan, a Big Ten program, is going out to California and getting day one contributors at the point of attack on the defensive side of the ball, that's a big deal. And now you think about USC and UCLA going into the Big Ten. I think that's going to open the doors for some of these programs as well. So that's going to be interesting. And he's right. I mean, those guys are really hard to find. But that being said, Michigan, they're in a good spot. They just had Mozzie Smith drafted in the first round. The year before that, it was Aiden Hutchinson. They're in a good area of the country where they can develop these guys on the line of scrimmage, both those guys from the state of Michigan as well. So pretty interesting. Drew, how about this? Completely random. I get a notification on my phone while we're recording this. Guess who hit the follow button for me? Harbaugh? (laughs) Tom Crean. Completely random. Oh. The former Indiana basketball head coach, who I believe has some ties to Harbaugh. I'm going to get producer Lance. Yeah, he does. Know, like, I, I, aren't they related? Yes. Someone's related to someone. Somebody's related to somebody. So we're, we're going to do a little bit digging on that. We'll get producer Lance in that. But Jim Harbaugh, to start the show. Been a while since he was climbing trees with Jim Nordine, drinking hot milk in the summer sun in the state of Alabama during satellite camps. We needed that. Needed it in Michigan right now. Number one ranked recruiting class in the 2024 cycle. We've talked about it. Um, but there's some teams in in hot pursuit, right? A lot of commitments over the weekend. Uh, busy weekend, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, you had the Kentucky Derby. Um, and, of course, recruiting doesn't stop, right? You had schools hosting transfer portal visits. You had some guys with recruits on campus and then coaches out on the road, right? Coaches out on the road. Sorry to sorry to interrupt, gentlemen, but uh, yes, uh, Tom Crean and Jim Harbaugh are brother-in-laws. They're brother-in-laws. So Harbaugh, or excuse me, Crean, is married to Jim and obviously John Harbaugh is the head coach of Baltimore Ravens' uh, sister, Joni. So that is the that is the relationship right there. Brother-in-laws, Tom Crean, Jim Harbaugh. Imagine that family gathering. Do you talk about basketball or do you talk about football? For those of you wondering whose strange voice that is that's producer they've heard me before i've been heard before (laughs) oh sorry producer lance glenn clearing it up for us yeah tom crean jim harbaugh a little family affair there it's a big deal big deal for the oyster boys always nice to get a follow thank you lance appreciate that just jumping in doesn't even buzz in love it our jerser commitment rundown you talked about it senko de mayo recruiting never sleeps 
I'll tell you this. This one was um, when you sent me this rundown, there weren't like a bunch of names that were like headliners. But you start digging a little bit. We'll get to Isaiah Williams in Florida, the number 49 receiver in the country. Michael Merdinger, the number 75 quarterback he commits to North Carolina. We'll talk about Ify Obidegwu. I did my homework on that one. Cornerback out of St. Francis High School in Baltimore. He committed to Oregon. And then USC with a couple big pickups. And then we'll go back out to the Pac-12 with Packy Finau and a big pickup for Washington. But, Drew, anything catch your eye this weekend specifically? Um, I think Isaiah Williams. Uh, let's let's start with Florida. Uh, I think that that's one. And then Michael Merdinger, quarterback, committed to North Carolina on Sunday. Really unique story. I know we've talked about it off air, um, but a kid that is self-taught how to throw the football, wrote a story about him. He had no power five offers. Two weeks later, he's committed to the Tar Heels. So I want to get into that, but no, um, not a ton of like top 100 players that committed, but I think a lot of guys over the weekend found their home and guys that can make an impact at the power five level. All right, let's talk a little bit about Isaiah Williams. As I mentioned earlier, a number 49 receiver in the country. He commits to Florida. He missed all but four games as a junior at Tampa, Carrollwood Day last year. Had a broken collarbone. That being said, has a big spring, rips off a 4-4-6 at Under Armour Orlando. He's a regional qualifier in the 100 with an 11-09 in the 200 at a 22-9-1. So if you're still trying to get your bearings in terms of track and field speed and how it correlates to football, all those are plus markers for Isaiah Williams. Drew, you had him as an eye catcher at OT7 in Orlando. And I have to say, Drew, first time I saw him was this morning. You know, I kind of saw his name kind of making the rounds yesterday. And, you know, for us, I mean, that's one of those things. He's he's in your region. Right now, we're playing a lot of catch-up as a whole, kind of trying to get through the top 247 additional names as well. So you're watching anywhere from 250 to 300 names right now. You're just trying to get your bearings for it. And, Drew, this guy you have rated as a high three-star, and I agree. I Listen, there is not a lot to go off of on the tape. But you see the way he moves. He is a long, smooth, natural strider, gets in and out of his breaks really quickly. And Under Armour Orlando, listen, if he can stay healthy for me, and Drew, I'm not trying to put you in a box here. I always say that. But this is a guy to me that definitely has top 247 potential. I think the biggest thing for him, he's just got to stay on the field and we got to see the production as well. Right. Someone I first saw uh, when he was a sophomore, at Wiregrass Ranch, catching passes from future Iowa State quarterback Rocco Becht, who was related to Anthony Becht. Um, liked him then, but you said it, junior season derailed, right? There's not a lot of tape out there. Um, and then uh, you, we knew he had the time at the Under Armour camp, the, the fastest 40-yard dash there on the lasers. You can you know try to poke holes and all right, how, how legit is this third party time? But it was the fastest out of anyone that ran in the same condition. So you love that. And then uh, a few weeks later, he's at the overtime OT seven, uh, seven on seven tournament. And he was an instant eye catcher. And I wrote, I said, Hey, I think a lot of power five programs have forgot about this kid because of the injury. Um, Isaiah told me like nothing was going on in his recruitment when I asked about top schools, visits and stuff like that. And then now he's committed to Florida. And I think this is the type of receiver 
that the Gators need need to add. And he's got the straight line speed, but I think he does an excellent job of of kind of making cuts and and breaking defense the defensive backs off as he gets up the field. He's he's a dynamic route runner um, with that lateral quickness, and you pair him with what they took in the previous cycle, Andy Jean, Eugene Wilson. I think the arrow is starting to point up for the Gators in that wide receiver room. And sure, people are going to be like, all right, you guys have him ranked as a three-star. But, you know, there's there's still some question marks out there uh, hovering around 170 pounds. Going to have to add some weight and some play strength. But certainly a, a nice pickup for the Gators and, and another in-state pickup for them. We always mentioned what they did in the 2022 cycle locally in their backyard. Now they're starting to do that again here uh, in the – in the 2024 cycle, right? Uh, three commitments already from the Sunshine State uh, and guys that had a, a ton of different options. This would be a difficult player in your home state not to take, even with the lack of production, if you want to call it that, even with the collarbone injury last year, but you look at him six foot, six foot three quarters. He's 172. Drew, you kind of mentioned that. That's an area he's got to get better, but he's got a six foot six wingspan. There's a lot of room to grow. You mentioned the 446. He's explosive lower body as well. He had over a 10-foot broad. Drew, I just got done auditing the receivers in the 2024 top 247. There are not a lot of guys that can move the way Isaiah Williams moves. And I like him. And I think the route running ability is very natural for him. I think he can take the top off the defense. An area he needs to get better, Drew. You talked about play strength. I think he's got to be more assertive when attacking the football. But this is a guy in terms of run after catch as well. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Jalen Brown. I kind of saw a little bit of some similarities in their game just from the way they move. But I like this pickup for Billy Gonzalez. You know, I mean, this these are the type of commitments in the middle of spring. Maybe they fly under the radar a little bit. And two to three years later, you're kind of wondering, okay, when did this guy kind of emerge uh, for the Gators? So I like that get. Uh, for Billy Napier and company. Drew, some other relevant news if you're a Florida fan, Ohio State receiver, the number two player in the country, Ohio State receiver commit, I should say. That's Jeremiah Smith, number one receiver. He scheduled his official visit to Florida, plans to be there the weekend of June 2nd. He's got his official visit to Ohio State the weekend next on June 9th. Andrew, it's been a, it's been a, uh, for the number two player, I mean, it's been a productive spring for him. He was a regional champ in both the 110 and the 400 meter hurdles, which a lot of people will say that's some of the most difficult track and field events you can run. Uh, and there's a chance he might be interested in participating in track and field in college as well. Yeah, he tweeted that out. Um, took home gold at the regional meet over the weekend. I was pouring through, uh, track data at some point uh i think it was on sunday i was texting all you guys you were like probably like stop sending this but found some interesting markers um i i think he might be the favorite to win a 1a title in the state of florida and that's the lowest classification but his his one 110 hurdle time uh is the best i think for the 1a classification so far and i, I think it's the same for the 400 I mean, I think if you're Florida, you got to shoot your shot here, right? He's going to visit the weekend of June 2nd. That's according to Blake Alderman of Swamp 247. Steve Wiltfong, our colleague, reported the same. And then the following weekend, he'll be up in Columbus for his official visit as well. I mean, I don't have you know much like scoop or anything on this. I, I still think the Buckeyes are going to be hard to beat. I mean, I, I've said that from the jump just with 
Brian Hartline there, Keenan Bailey, who has ties to the South Florida area, but certainly an interesting development for the Gators. You would think they'd probably try to get him around DJ Lagway, their quarterback commit. And I think they they sell the, hey, early playing times available. You can be a, a game changer for uh, the Gators. And Florida has a men's track program. Um, so I, I think that would be appealing if, if Jeremiah Smith wanted to do both sports. Well, you just talked about you not having scoops. So I guess I'll, I'll kind of phrase this question differently. What do you think has to happen for Florida to like be in this? And I'm not saying that they're not in it, but to me, like it's a domino effect of certain things that have to happen. Like I, I feel like Florida offensively has to show they can be explosive. And then also things on the field as well have to click for Florida because Andrew, you and I have talked about this. I mean, if you're Ohio, Ohio State, Nobody has a better plan for success at the receiver position than what they got cooking in Columbus between Ryan Day, between uh, Brian Hartline, and we talked about all these receivers, Jack Jackson Smith, Najigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and the list goes on and on. You can kind of look, maybe I'm wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremiah Smith, outside of a handful of the guys leaving this next year, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., gone more than likely Emeka Egbuka gone more than likely sure that room is still plenty talented but there's a pathway for Jeremiah Smith to step on the field day one and be the guy in Columbus in my opinion well uh the 24 7 sports social team put out a um what do you want to call it like a video like a reel uh a TikTok uh, of Jeremiah Smith and right and you know had some comments from me in there just highlighting him as the player you know, I've said he's one of the best to come out of South Florida. I had a college coach text me that, and uh, I was like, all right, like you agree. And they said they thought Jeremiah Smith could probably start for 80 of like the 130 FBS schools this season. That that was like unsolicited. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. It's a very specific number. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Why 80? I don't like what, what, what percent is that? Let's see, 80, 80 out of the 130, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, he must have been – that must have been premeditated. He must have had a, a roster that he went through and, and went one by one. But anyway, Florida in a good spot. Drew, you and I have talked about this, like from a program standpoint, in terms of how they're recruiting. I think 60, they're doing a really – 61%. Job. 60, okay, there you go. I think Florida's doing a really good job. I think they got to get the quarterback position figured out. And there's a lot of people out there that are going to say, all right, DJ Lagway and Austin Simmons. I get it. I get it. But they need to figure it out this year. So there's a lot riding on Graham Mertz and whoever else in company, maybe Jack Miller, to make sure that the Gators can take the next step this season, which in turn is it's going to be a big part of their future as well. Our Drew, speaking of quarterbacks, North Carolina on the board. What an interesting story here. Michael Merdinger, number 75 quarterback out of the state of Florida by way of Israel, self-taught himself how to throw a football watching YouTube. I'll tell you what, he wasn't watching Uncle Rico. I can spin it. I'd love to see what YouTube video that was. But anyway, he, he plays at Cardinal Gibbons right there in Fort Lauderdale this past year. Actually backed up Central Florida commit Dylan Rizik. He only started one game. So you might be thinking, all right, what's the correlation here? Well, offensive coordinator, why am I blanking on the name? At, at North, North Carolina, Carolina. Chip Lindsay. 
Chip Lindsey, excuse me, Chip Lindsey, offensive coordinator at Central Florida last year. Obviously, they take Dylan Rizek. Well, he got an opportunity to see Michael Merninger, and this was a guy that he was impressed with. Obviously, you got to see him throughout the spring. Andrew, I want to get your thoughts on this because I got to to, to dive in a little bit this morning. I, I have some thoughts on this guy. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see what you think. I mean, he's ranked number 75 in our, our quarterback ranking, so that, that's quite down the list. But this guy simply doesn't have the biggest resume. And he impressed. I think he won the accuracy challenge at the Elite 11 uh, stop in Orlando a few weeks ago. I think that footage got him on the radar of some Power 5 schools because I started fielding calls on, on Merdinger and people picking my brain. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? I said, I think this kid, I think he can throw it. I mean, we don't know what it looks like uh, in terms of him having to actually prepare for an entire season. But when he was in the game and I probably did three or four Cardinal Gibbons, whether it be like a scrimmage or a spring game last season, every time he got in ahead of Dylan Rizik, who is now at UCF, I thought he moved the offense there way better. And Cardinal Gibbons is, they kind of run an air raid system. So I've always liked him and you start kind of comparing notes with different evaluators and, and everyone thinks he's kind of got the goods. You just, you just need to know a little bit more. And he's a kid with a, you know, one of those crazy weighted GPAs, like a 5.3 or something like that. You said he's from Israel, right? Moved to the United States when he was eight years old. I was talking to him. Uh, he had no idea what American football was. Family friends gave him a pigskin as a welcoming gift. So him and his dad started watching YouTube videos. He mentioned Joe Montana. So I don't know if there's like a Joe Montana, you know, tutorial video on how to throw it out there. And then fast forward, you know, 10 years later, um, and he's committed to North Carolina. Minnesota was also looking at him. I think Virginia. Um, I can't remember who else, but but North Carolina, they, they made a move super fast. You know, they had missed out on some other quarterbacks. Jaden Davis was a guy that they were in on. Um, uh, Daniel Kalen. Uh, I, I mean, there was a bunch of names, but they they feel confident in him. And it's going to be fun to see what he looks like this season as a, as a first-year starter. And Coop, I, I will toss this nugget in there, right? We always talk about the resume and, you know, what these guys have done on Friday nights. Two first or two quarterbacks were selected in the 2023 NFL draft that were just one year starters in high school. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was one of them. And I'm going to draw a blank on the other, but it's been done before. So Merdinger, a guy, I think if you're a North Carolina fan, you should be fired up. You know, doesn't have all the accolades next to his name, but someone we're going to keep a close eye on here. Um, sp his spring game soon, and then obviously you got his entire senior season. I think every family that comes to the United States should be welcomed with a football. I love that. I love that story for him. But let me, let me talk about him a little bit. He, to me, on tape, you like it. You see the traits. You see the you see the arm pop a little bit. He moves around well. He goes to the Elite Eleven in Orlando. This was in April, so just last month. And Drew, I didn't know what to expect. Kind of when I turned on the combine tape, but athletic frame. I mean, six one. And change 196. He's got a six foot five plus wing, ran a 501. He had a four five shuttle. He's got good short area quickness, quick twitch ability in the pocket. But I'll tell you what, I thought the arm talent really flashed. I mean, he can zip it, he, he throws the ball with a lot of velocity as well. 
but he can drive the ball at all three levels. And you see this kid and you start to put on the, you know, you start to pick up the pieces a little bit, obviously, you know, introduced to the game at a young age at eight years old. So the learning curve is not what people may think it is coming over from Israel, but Listen, this is an early take for for them, but this is a guy that if he continues to grow and develop on an upward trajectory, I think North Carolina might be out in front here. I think they might have found something. I mean, I, I do think these are the guys, once you get into the secondary market, if you're looking for the developmental types, physically, this is this is what they look like. And Andrew, you talked about you talked about the academic background as well. I mean, he talked about North Carolina being a public Ivy school. It's kind of the way that he looked at it, right? So you got a guy off the field, obviously a very um, high-powered intellect as well. Um, I'm excited to see his senior season because I think what he's put together this spring is, is has been pretty plus. Um, and if hey. you're North Carolina, and last thing I'll say, Andrew, you and I have talked about this this kind of underlying story. That quarter that quarterback market is dry, right? There are not a lot of spare parts, right? So if you're North Carolina, you might be looking at where we have him ranked right now. He's the number seventy five quarterback, but there's a reason some of these teams are are being you could call overly aggressive and uh, speeding up their timeline right now when it comes to quarterbacks. They feel like they got to go get their guy because if you don't get that that player that you have circled, it might be few and far between in terms of the talent gap and the next guy on your board. I like him more for what Chip Lindsey, at least what we think he's going to do at North Carolina, than maybe the Tad Hudson who they took the previous cycle. Um, that's just kind of just kind of my thought, um, but we'll we'll see how how it all shakes out. But you, you got to think about life post Drake May. And um, it, it's it's setting up for a competition. UNC, number 13 in the rankings right now, number three in the ACC. Guess who's number two? Wake Forest. We'll see if they have uh, some staying power. But uh, just three other commits I just want to hit on real quick. Guys I kind of like in their class that are maybe flying a bit under the radar. Uh, an IDL, Peter, P Pisan P Peter Pisansky at a Tampa Jesuit high motor three tech type of guy. They picked up a pledge from him uh, a few weeks ago. I know a certain future SEC school was in Tampa last week evaluating him. Uh, you can figure out who that is, uh, but he's, he's an interesting one. Um, plays with a ton of effort. Also a lacrosse player. I think that's a really, really good pickup for them. That's flying under the radar. Jaden Patterson safety out of the Atlanta area played alongside Caleb Downs, the now Alabama safety uh, at Mill Creek last season. He is a burner. He's got some uh, really good 400 times. I, I like him in the secondary. And then Evan Bennett, linebacker, they got committed. Kind of a utility man on Friday nights, plays everything, like Wildcat quarterback, playing some tight end, some wide receiver. Uh, and then you just look at what, everyone selected when it came to linebackers in, in the 2023 NFL draft. A lot of guys that are athletic and can play in space. And I think Evan Bennett is one of those. So North Carolina, I don't think they have a four-star committed right now, but there's still a lot to like in that recruiting class for Mac Brown. A little love for the Tar Heels. And Dave Clawson, 
Wake Forest, number two in the ACC, as Andrew mentioned, one of those storylines right now in the middle of May that's kind of flying under the radar. Drew, I remember writing a story last year. I think it was about Northwestern, right? Weren't they in the top 10 last year around this time? Yeah. And you, you brought it up. We, they were in it for like PJ Adeboire. They were in it. Right. Because his, his brother was there. Who did he get drafted by, by the way? Oh. Uh, Is it Indianapolis? Yes. Which, by the way, uh, I was listening to an NFL draft podcast. I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, move, move the Sticks with, with Daniel Jeremiah and, and, and Bucky Brooks. But they started going up and down the list. Like Indianapolis, the Colts might have the most athletic. It's like if me and you drafted a a team. It is the most athletic group you have like ever seen. Starts at the top with Anthony Richardson. Um, you got Adebore in there. Hold on, let me let me pull up what they did off roading right Barnes, here. Right? Yeah, Will Mallory. Yes, Will Mallory. I think they took the running back out of Northwestern. Oh, oh Blake Freeland, the the uh, offensive tackle out of BYU who was uh, his senior year of high school, Gatorade, track and field athlete of the year. He won the javelin shot put in discus, um, was also an all-state basketball player. Just just a wild group. Chris Ballard, he needs some wins badly. I'll tell you what, new coach in there. It's about time for Indianapolis to, to get back on track. I wonder how much time Anthony Richardson has before they're going to have to take the training wheels off and throw him out there. Yeah, Evan Hole was the running back out of Northwestern, like crazy track times. And then Jake Witt, seventh round offensive tackle, uh, kid out of Northern Michigan who had like one of the freakiest pro days out of there, former basketball player. Uh, if you're going to take, take a shot on a tackle in the seventh round, that's take a shot on the profile. Yeah. Traits heavy in that class or Traits draft, heavy. draft class. Here we go. Indianapolis Colts. Nice little uh, case study for the boys. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. All right, Drew, should we keep it rolling? Let's keep it rolling. Ify Obadegwu, number 13 cornerback in the country from St. Francis Academy out there in Baltimore, Maryland. He commits to Oregon on Sunday. Drew, you like this kid a lot. He produced a pair of turnovers last season against DeSoto. He had a fumble recovery as well. St. Francis Pro Day a year ago, right? This is over a year ago. Six foot and a quarter, 190. Six foot eight plus wing. Ran a 4.740 at a 4.47 shuttle, 40-inch vert, and a 7.23L. I know that is a mouthful, but if you're looking at what we're looking at here, it's the height-weight-speed combination. We talk about the length. Obadegu already 190 pounds. 
mentioned that wing as well. So he's not close uh, to, to rounding out form in terms of his growth potential. Those are really good numbers, impressive numbers for, for somebody his age. And Drew, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he seems very natural. The guy that I kind of thought of when I watched him at first, they're different. But in terms of the frame, I thought, all right, kind of reminds me of Denver Harris a little bit. He started his career at Texas A&M, played at North Shore, now at LSU. I'd have to go back and kind of look at the comparisons, but a big physical corner could potentially one day maybe see its safety. But I like this kid a lot. No, I, I do. And when I went through all the corners a, a few months ago, he was one of my favorite. And I think if you put on the junior highlights, like they get better the more you watch. Like minute three is much more exciting than, you know, the 32nd mark, in my opinion. He is long, has experience in press man coverage, likes to use his hands, um, can get to the catch point, get in there. And, and and jar the football out, and then he can make an impact in the run game. And I think for Oregon, Cooper, you said this on a podcast recently, like Dan Lanning is getting that thing cranking in terms of getting SEC talent out there in Eugene. And I think if he fits that that profile, this is exactly what you're talking about, right? This is a guy that could I, I see him kind of maybe as a boundary guy. Maybe he could be. A, a a field perimeter guy just depending on we'll see what he runs I think he's going to be at the Baltimore camp um, the Under Armour camp in Baltimore this upcoming weekend it'll be nice to get some fresh numbers on him but man like this is the prototypical corner these days and yeah it would be nice to see some production on the offensive side of the ball but St. Francis Academy not a school that really double platoons a lot of guys so I like this. I think this is what this is one of the biggest commitments of of the week so far. Um, and you know, it fits what Dan Lanning wants to do to a T on the defensive side of the ball. Feels like it kind of went under the radar a little bit, huh? Like Sunday morning out of nowhere. You and I talked about it and what Dan Lanning's doing on the West Coast. I mean, kind of moving in silence right now. I think the fan base has a has a good idea and you know, this was kind of Mario Cristobal's identity as well. It just seems that Dan Lanning is executing it at a very high level. Like it just, they're, they're relentless, right? And I talk about this with Georgia and Alabama, what makes them different than everybody else. They're relentless. They don't go out their position specifics or their positional standards. And sure, they might get beat on an outlier or time or two, maybe a guy in their backyard that they didn't think really fit the criteria. It happens. But for the most part, they're playing the odds. And the odds tell them that if you have athletes that are bigger, faster, stronger, you have a commitment to that. And that's verified by not only production on the field, but verified indicators and athletic indicators, speed indicators, multi-sport athleticism. You can put a roster together that can compete. I'm looking for Oregon to really compete at a high level this year. They got Bo Nix coming back. They have a lot of continuity on their roster. There's an influx of youthful talent as well. And they've done a tremendous job in the transfer portal. Guys like Kyrie Jackson, Tashim Johnson. Uh, the big edge rusher from South Carolina, right? Jordan Birch. Jordan Birch. I mean, they're doing a really good job of piecing this thing together. And that's only year two. Imagine what these guys are going to look like in year three, year four, where they can be a little bit more selective in the portal. I love the job that they're doing. And 
I'll mention it. Marshall Malkow, he's the guy over there pulling the pulling the strings in terms of roster management. He had a lot to do with what Georgia's done here over the last two years. Listen, Kirby Smart deserves all their credit, same with their coaching staff, but he deserves a little piece of that credit as well. They've had 25 guys drafted over the last two years at the University of Georgia. That is the most in the common draft there. So since 1967, no program has put out that many players in two consecutive drafts. All I'm saying is, I mentioned this, I, I mentioned this a week or two ago. I'm not saying they're like on their coattails. I'm just saying like they're thinking the same way. You're buying stock. I'm buying stock. I, I like what they're doing. I'm not taking anything away from anybody else. But Drew, back to the corner conversation. You also brought this up, and I think it's you know it's something we've known for a while. But only, once you once you see it or hear it, it, it really changes your mind. Right. It's just a, a reinforcement, right? Only two of the 36 corners drafted in this year's NFL draft were under five foot ten. And man, were they productive players. Clark Phillips and Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Utah and TCU, and both those guys played bigger than their size, had very good production. Drew, as you noted here, conversely, 12 of the 36 corners selected, measured six foot one or taller. Our friend, I want to believe, I want to go back and make sure I got his name right. I'll look that up. NFL draft analyst at ESPN, he tweeted it yesterday, and I kind of piggybacked off of him, but he was talking about how high school players, if you're a receiver and you have Jordan Reed, who works for ESPN, does a really good job. He was talking about on the high school camp circuit, there's a million receivers in one line and barely 10 DBs. Everyone wants to touch the ball, switch lines and give DB a try. You'll get more reps and you never know what may come of it. Good DBs are very hard to find. Absolutely, 110% yes. I mean, you think of all the receivers out there, you watch these guys, and the margin of error playing defensive back and especially corner, if you have the length, is just different. Maybe you're a tad bit stiff. Maybe you're a 4'7 guy, not a 4'5 guy. But if you can do the things they ask of you, there's not a lot of guys that can do it. And everybody's looking for that guy. They're going to give you a lot more chances to get it right. 100%. And at receiver, you're, you're a dime a dozen. I, I, I'm also in the team-building philosophy is give me my best guys on defense. Depends. Who was the uh, player that we were split on the other day? Uh, Terry Bussey. <laughs> Playing offense or defense? Yeah. Five-star out of Texas. Quarterback on Friday nights. I think him, him and Mbakwe were super interesting conversation. I remember I was talking to him a personnel director in the SEC and he was talking about talking about Mbakwe and it's like it's such a difficult not difficult I mean you can see it but you're projecting him to defense all his production is on the offensive side of the ball and in the return game like Terry Bussey I get it he's playing a lower classification he had over 2,000 yards passing 2,000 yards rushing he had over 70 touchdowns don't forget the defensive stat line, 115 tackles, four INTs. To take the football out of his hands would be a sin. I understand. Listen, he, he's got a lot better of an argument than Mbakwe does, so I understand where you're coming from there.
Yeah. Drew, I'm not sure there's a more electric player in the country than Terry Bussey. No, I, I get fired up about him. Uh, Mbakwe, Alabama state champ over the weekend in the 100 and the 200. I think 6A, 10-7. What do you run? 10-7. I don't know the 200 time off the top of my head. He can fly. He's something to watch in person. Okay, let's keep this train moving. USC on the board, Drew. Speaking of Alabama, Anquan Fagan's number one safety in 2025. Commits to USC in the Trojans. I believe shortly after his brother, Traquan Fagans, also committed to USC. Transfer portal edition for USC. They are still number two behind primetime Deion Sanders in Colorado in the transfer portal rankings, but that's okay. They've done a heck of a job there. Anquan Fagans, we mentioned earlier, nine interceptions last season for Thompson, who won the Alabama's 7A title, two-time Max Preps All-American, freshman and sophomore. Trey Quan was number 105, number 14 corner in his class in 2022. I got to watch him live a couple times. Drew, I'm going to start with Anquan. I mean, you talk about a ball magnet. Sometimes the ball just finds the player. This guy finds the ball. He's all over the place. I mean, he can play the deep hash. He can play in the slot. He can play in the boundary. His instincts and his ability to play the football, I'm not sure. Caleb Downs was another one of those guys, but this guy, he's pretty special in that area. Nine, nine interceptions as a sophomore for Thompson, which won a state title. Um, I USC site hit me up, so last night I, I was talking a lot about uh, Fagans and Anquan and, and Traquan. We can get to Traquan in a little bit, but I think – to me, Anquan is you bring up what Dan Landing is doing at Oregon. And I know USC is off to the Big Ten, right? But I think they are getting an SEC style defender, right? That's kind of a a, a chess piece. Like I don't know where Anquan Fagans ultimately ends up in terms of like what his role is. But I know he is something. <laughs> and obviously, we have him ranked very high. But when we, when we ranked him as the number one safety in 2025, I mean, this was a guy that had limited freshman tape. You know, we'd really just had live exposure to him at camps, seven-on-seven seven tournaments. And then he goes out and has about as good of a sophomore season as you can. You're like, all right, like, our lies, eyes weren't lying to us. Um, so I, I think that's that's the storyline here. And sure, Traquan – you know, as a guy that's going to come in and be ready to play, but man, if they can hold on to Anquan, like this is a, you know, this this makes your defense a little bit different. And and right now, what USC has been doing has been filling gaps in that defensive two deep with transfers. Right now, it looks like, hey, can they build some recruiting classes through the high school ranks? You know, with with those type of players. I'll tell you this, Drew, just looking at a couple of the additions on the defensive line, but I, if they can get the most out of Bear Alexander and Anthony Lucas. I think that completely changes the dynamic of their team defensively. Yeah. Well, they have the number two transfer class, right? Colorado's number one, USC number two, and they added three SEC defenders. You just said it. Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M, Bear Alexander from Georgia, and then Traquan Fagans from um, Alabama. Coop, did you – you got a ton of exposure to, to Fagans. 
I was asked safety or corner, and I thought corner all the way on him. Am I wrong there? Corner in high school. I think the projection wasn't exactly a clean one. And what I mean by that is, is a guy pretty similar to his brother. I mean, he was just a position versatile guy. You know, both these guys were super heady players who had a knack for getting their hands on the football. I could see him at either spot. I think he's 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 a long, versatile defender. I think he can play on the perimeter. I do kind of like his long-term trajectory at safety. Okay. I, I, I would try him at at corner as long as I could. That's kind of that's kind of what I thought. And uh, one other one other thing on on on, on Traquan is you know, someone that we had a ton of exposure to. He was kind of during that pandemic year, right? So there wasn't some camps. It was hard to get some verified information on some guys, but showed up to the Under Armour All-America game like, hey, why are why are those weeks important? Well, you know, I don't think he had the, the best of performances and practices against the, um, you know, top flight wide receivers. And, and to me, it wasn't like, all right, let's panic. It was more like, okay, He's going to need some more time before he's ready to go. He goes to Alabama, red shirts year one. Now he's off to Los Angeles. But I think that's certainly something to always bring up when we get talk about those all-star games. All right. Like, how does he compare against the other top guys? And I, I remember coming out of that week. All right. He, he is not ahead of schedule. He's probably a little behind schedule. That's fair. That's fair. And, I think if you're USC, you can be one of those teams, one of the rare exceptions to the rule where, like, you can live in the portal for the most part, right? I just feel like there's – we we talked about this, but there's a gravity to USC to where it makes sense for both parties. And when you talk about the point of attack, I think that's where USC has got to be super aggressive. And I think that's where they should – they should really make a name for themselves as saying, listen, if you're a big body – you're looking for a spot, you want to play on the biggest stage, come here. Come play in the Big Ten. Come play for Lincoln Riley. We need you. Everybody knows we need you. This is a place to be. So I I like what USC is doing. They've kind of, you know, Lincoln Riley is building the country's best seven-on-seven team on offense. You know, it's just whether or not he can slow enough people down on defense and Drew, a little, like, if they have a similar year this year as they did last year, is Alex Grinch out of there? I, I have no idea. But you would think with the influx of talent, I mean, compare it to a NFL organization, right? You, you go and get some of the top free agents on the market, you, you would think, in theory, the unit should improve. He had his, he, he had his work cut out for him in year one in, in LA, but I think he's, he's got to put it together this year. He's got some pieces out there. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. All right, Drew, let's round this thing out. We'll stay in the pac 12 Paki Finau, number 11 interior offensive lineman. He commits to Washington yesterday, I believe. Is that yeah, right? Monday, 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 man, it's Tuesday. I'm losing track of time. Penn state was also in there along with Arizona, Utah. He, he had summer OV set to all three. It's a guy, shade under 6'5", he's 265 pounds, a little shorter on the arm side, it's 33 and a half, 77 plus inch wing at 6'5". Drew, this this get for, for UW and, and 
Packy Finau, uh, I believe, ranked at 216. So back into the sixth round in the top 247. I like this kid for for UW and Scott Huff, and I know Scott Huff well, but it's a guy that kind of reminded me of Mateo Mele a little bit. And if you're a Washington fan, you might be maybe one of the only people that knows who Mateo Mele is, but has been a contributor for Washington over the last couple of seasons. And Mateo Mele was shorter on the tackle side, was a guy that projected inside. And with Finau, what I look at is a guy that, from an agility standpoint, he's what you want. He's got really calm feet, can work up to the second level. He can redirect. He can recover. The biggest question mark with him, and we kind of saw this at the Under Armour camp in L.A., is Kenny Anker. And I thought the body type and the lack of length showed up at times. We saw a couple defenders get into his body, kind of work him, kind of struggled to anchor a little bit. I have some question marks at the tackle spot. I know we have him. Uh, I know we have him pegged as an interior offensive lineman. I think this is going to be a guy that's going to be in need a year or two in a strength conditioning program to add some weight to just be a functional play strength guy in the middle. But you really like what he can do if you put him in a, a zone scheme offense, right? Work him out to the second level, let his athleticism show a little bit. Um, and listen, you're playing Ryan Grubb and, and what Kalen DeBoer want to do in offense. That's, that's kind of their MO, right? Yeah. I mean, he's 263 pounds, and I think that shows up for sure, like you said in the in the camp footage. But pop on the highlight tape and – you know, he's running 30 yards down the field making blocks, and it's, you don't see that a lot at, at the high school level. Uh, I, I think could potentially be, you know, maybe a right tackle and, and a pinch, but his future is on the inside. I agree with your assessment. Going to need some time in a strength program. I, I don't – What who, who's the strength coach there at, at UW? I don't know. I believe he came over from Fresno. Yeah, he he's good. Um he, you know, he, he has resurrected some careers from what I've, I've read. Um, and, but I, I, I like this pickup. I, I think it's a, it's big if you're in, in the pack 12 and I, I agree fits what DeBoer friend of the podcast, what they want to do on offense. They want to be athletic, right? They want to go fast. They want to spread it around and Pocky Fino, no relation to Tony Fino, at least I asked. And I think the answer was no, right? Never know, man. <laughs> I don't know. When I was out there, everybody was related. You know, everybody was either a brother or a cousin or whatever. And then I would ask, are y'all really related? And they'd say no. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to hard to track that down. Ron McKeefrey, Andrew, head strength coach at UW. Yeah. Well, Michael Penix, he was what, comeback player of the year. Um I read some story in Penix had I'd given him a ton of credit for kind of, you know, resurrecting things in terms of getting him getting him right in the weight room. UW, team to watch this year. Michael Penix, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, Braylon Trice. Braylon Trice getting some first-round buzz. How about that? That's pretty crazy to me. All right, Drew, that about wraps it up in terms of uh, everything on the rundown. You got any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, I think more more commitments. We are in, what, the commitment season? That's what's going on now. Big weekend for me and you. You're going up to Elite 11, Atlanta. 
I'm going to Baltimore for Under Armour camp. And then I got spring games starting down here in the in the Sunshine State right away. IMG Academy's inner squad next Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember. Um, busy time. And then you got your wedding. How's that planning coming on? It's coming up. I want to say we are maybe 18 days. 18 days out. And I'm looking at my belly right now. I had two fat boy ice cream bars last night. It's time, man. It's time to get in the gym. I think it was it was time about two months ago to start working working some of this weight off. But I feel good. You know, there's a lot of balls in the air right now between getting married, our travel schedule is getting ready to pick up a little bit, right? Looks yeah. like the boys are heading to the West Coast. Yeah, we made the travel roster this year. Yeah, the travel roster it certainly helps that you're one of the people deciding who gets to go. Um, so LA, you know, you talked about Atlanta after that future 50, one of my favorite events. We'll get to see our boy Ryan Niedemeyer down there. Right. Get to mix it up a little bit. And then after that, man, who knows? Yeah. Maybe a little, maybe, maybe, maybe Coop's on the move. We'll see. Did you plan your honeymoon yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Honeymoon has been bought, paid for, which, listen, it's going to be a nice honeymoon, but I, I might be living in a tent for the next three months. That's fine. <laughs> You'll be welcoming the uh, work trips. Yeah, we'll be we'll be down there in uh, in St. Lucia. By the way, have you thought about a uh, guest co-host while I'm out? Substitute teacher? Yeah, I got. I, I actually had that panic thought this morning, so I got Tom, some... Uh... Tom Crean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be working on a guest lineup uh, pretty soon here. There you go. I like that a lot. If you need any help, let me know. Maybe we just do like, maybe we just do guest. Like you just interview people for like a week. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Steve Wiltfong will get on for one. We'll, we'll get just, Fong on. We'll got to get the Fong on. Full scoop. That's a non-negotiable right there. All right, guys. I'm Drew, I'm doing a terrible job of plugging it, but guys, we appreciate you listening to the show as always. And if you're a new fan of the show, if this is the first time you've listened to the show, do yourself a favor, smash the subscribe button, leave a review, leave a rating, and wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Oyster Boys are on there. It's under the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, but the Oyster Boys are on there. Shout out to Lance Glenn, rare appearance on the show today. Need some more of that. Lance, we do need some more of that. Proud of you, buddy. Way to interject. Get in there. We had to tie the Harbaugh family tree together. That was a big deal. All right, guys. We're going to get out of here for Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, Producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Cooper Tech. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.